Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Stacey and Pete here. It's the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast because we don't want to grow up. We are Toys R Us kids. <laughs> a little bit like what we're about to cover. Yeah, a little bit. Snot face. <laughs> Stinky. <laughs> we are covering 1991's Drop Dead Fred. What a crazy movie. (laughs) Listen, I adored this movie as a child. And as we were watching it, it's not one that you watched. Correct. So this was your first time. And as we were watching, he was like, why in the world were you watching this as a child? (laughs) Why was anybody watching this? I felt like, you know, we don't have children, but I felt like a parent, like if I had kids, they wouldn't be watching this movie. (laughs) I don't think my parents knew I was watching it. The 80s was a different time. 90s. 90s. I mean, I was 11 or 12. So I I probably, I mean, I rented it from the video store, but like, I just don't think that they paid attention as much. It looked like a kid-friendly movie on the cover and that's all that really mattered. It really did. But holy cow, there's some dark spots to this movie. Fred is uncontrollable. (laughs) He's a character. He is a character. So obviously, this movie we will get into, but Drop Dead Fred is an imaginary friend. So did you have an imaginary friend when you were a child or did you know anyone that did? I didn't know anyone that did. And I didn't really have an imaginary friend, though, as I've mentioned before, I I would have conversations with Darth Vader sometimes. (laughs) So that's like as close as I got. Yeah. What about you? No, I know that I've heard of people having imaginary friends. Like I usually hear about it when they're adults telling me that they had one when they were a child. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that I actively knew of anyone while I was a kid that had an imaginary friend. And I think I would have been freaked out. You'd have thought it was a ghost? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what I would have thought. Mm. But after watching this movie, I probably would have thought it was real. And a lot of fun. (laughs) Or a little demented. And a little demented. (laughs) So... Obviously, we all have large imaginations, but right. as a child, like what was the most imaginative play you remember like participating in as a kid? We would have like these big group play sessions where we were all pretending to be a movie cast of some kind. I remember one of them being Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to pick like who you were. I was Luke Skywalker and that was going right up against my buddy who was also blonde, blonder than me. And he thought since he was blonder that he should be Luke Skywalker. (laughs) So it was a battle there. But, you know, it was with a big set of friends, varying ages. My sister was there, her friends. We'd have these big group play sessions, you know, we had our lasers and we'd go in trees, which were like the ad-ats and stuff like that. But it was, it was a lot of fun. That is fun. Yeah. Oh, and the same set of friends or the same family that we were friends with had these barns which were incredibly dangerous, but the most fun to play in. 
because there's like multiple levels. You could go up in like the attic of the barn and it's literally like a piece of wood that you're walking across like 15 feet up in the air. I remember it it is scary to think of now, but like my friend's older brother stepped on like this piece of wood and it like hit him in the back, (gasps) except there was a rusty nail and it slid down his back, like all this stuff. People fell through like plate glass windows. It was should not have been playing in there. No, but it was so much fun. Those barns were, oh my gosh, perfect to play in from a fun standpoint (laughs) and amazingly dangerous from a safety standpoint. For me, I think the only thing that I believed was real that wasn't, or at least I hope it wasn't, was that I believed the incredible shrinking woman lived inside my walls. I know I've told that story on this podcast before, but I definitely thought Lily Tomlin was in there (laughs) and she terrified me. Well, you say terrified in the past tense. Oh, she still does. Yeah. Yes. I don't know that you've ever really gotten over it. No. I mean, I want to rewatch 9 to 5 because I loved that movie. But I saw that before Incredible Shrinking Woman. Okay. So then it kind of ruined it for me. But I mean, even I saw, I think, because, you know, the TV show Grace and Frankie is Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, who are, you know, two thirds of the 9 to 5 leading ladies. And I saw something yesterday that Dolly Parton was going to join them for their final season. Oh, really? And I was like, that's amazing. And I kind of want to watch it. But then I'm like, no. No, because then I would have to watch Lily Tomlin. (laughs) And then you'll have nightmares. (laughs) So that was like the not so happy part of my mind that was playing tricks on me (laughs) as a child. But the fun part was we would play school all the time. So we would set up our bedrooms as the classrooms Mm -hmm. and, you know, you'd get to be the teacher. It was always exciting when you got to be the teacher. We would pretend like our house was a hospital. And I've told you before that we had an intercom system. Okay. And we, as children. As the rich families do. <laughs> Stop. Had a, a vacuum system as well. I know. We've a talked pool. about that. Okay. You were rich. 80s rich. 80s rich. <laughs> really just 80s middle to upper class. 80s well off. Yeah. yeah. 80s middle class. It, upper middle it class. It wasn't like red carpets were being rolled out and we were going to fancy parties. Or That's anything. true. We just like nice things. Well, listen, you are who I would have considered a rich kid. Like, because I would go to friends' house that had the same things and they weren't rich. It's just like, oh, wow, look at all their stuff. They'd have like power wheels Mm -hmm. when they were younger and then four wheelers as they got older. And I was just so jealous. (laughs) Anyway. Back to your hospital. I didn't understand that that was anything different than what anybody else had. You know, my parents just liked the latest technologies (laughs) or whatever. Well, good on them. So that intercom system, though, I mean, we really didn't use it other than me and my friends playing hospital that or for listening to the radio outside, like at the pool over the intercom. Yeah, because the one that was out on the back porch had a radio. Oh, okay. And the one in the living room. But you could also like push the buttons and talk to people. I mean, it was probably utilized some for like, hey, you know, like Kelly phone call. Miss Stacy, you don't want to dinner, go. but they didn't do that. They yeah. would just yell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did use it and be like paging Dr. O'Kelly. Oh, that is so cool to, you know, room number three, your patient's waiting for you. Like that sort of thing. <laughs> right. That was a lot of fun. And we would use the whole house because it would be like during the day in the summertime. So like my dad would be at work. My mom might even be at work. So it would just be like my sister. And her best friend would be like out by the pool and we'd all be inside, you know, the neighborhood friends playing that. That sounds like fun. It was a lot of fun. And then the other thing that we would do is because you were talking about like acting out movies or whatever. We did. My sister was the ringleader here with our next door neighbors. 
<laughs> we would play Rick Springfield, where we would be the band. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like basically just lip sync along to their songs and pretend like we were on stage kind of thing. I always had to be like the drummer. <laughs> you were the drummer? <laughs> Kelly got to be Rick Springfield, of yeah. course. Which I think that was an interesting form of play because Kelly was just in love with Rick Springfield. Yeah. But it was funny to like pretend like you were them rather than just like watching concerts of them. Yeah. But then also we would play Grease 2, not Grease, but Grease 2. I think I've talked about that before as well. And my sister always got to be Stephanie Zanoni, and I always had to be either Paulette or Dolores Rebchuk, which were not the people I wanted to be at the time. So Who did you want to be? Stephanie. Oh, really? And she yeah. took it? Yeah, because she was the big sister. She got to choose. She got to be the coolest one. Yeah, I identify with that. Like, I was older than my buddy, so I would take Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and if he didn't let me, I'd just beat him up. okay so drop dead fred like i said came out in 1991 it's directed by ate dejong i think is how you would say it it's spelled eight yeah a-t-e a-t-e yeah i don't know how it's pronounced apologies if that's pronounced wrong and the story is by elizabeth livingston it's about a woman named elizabeth who is reunited with her childhood imaginary friend, Drop Dead Fred, after basically hitting rock bottom. Yeah. All in the same day, her husband is leaving her. He wants a divorce. She finds out he's been cheating on her. Her car gets broken into twice. Well, her purse gets stolen out of her car the first time, and that guy runs away. And then a different guy walks by and sees that the window's broken out and then just steals her car. Steals it. And she gets fired. Like I said, all in the same day. Not a good day. No. So Fred comes back to, quote unquote, cheer her up in his own destructive way. It's like a tornado of energy and just messiness. I don't know how to just chaos. He is like the Tasmanian devil. Yeah. And he's also like a toddler. Well, kind of like what she was when she first dreamed him up or met him. He's like a grown three-year-old. Yes. But he's helping her battle against her controlling mother and stand up to her awful husband. Right. And it's interesting because as you're watching, it's hard not to believe that he's real. Yeah, that's why it's interesting to see the scenes where he's there. But no one else can see him. Yes, with Elizabeth, but nobody else can see him. Phoebe Cates got to decide what those scenes would be, like when you would see Fred and when he wouldn't. That's fun. Yeah. So cast-wise, I just mentioned Phoebe Cates, (laughs) as I call her, Phoebe Cates as Elizabeth Cronin. And Ashley Peldon played young Elizabeth, who was adorable. So cute. Oh, my gosh. The destructive things that she's doing, you might just look past because she is just so cute. Yep. Rick Mayall was drop-dead Fred. He has since passed away. Yeah. But he was a legendary British comedic actor. And Marsha Mason played Polly Cronin, the evil mother. (laughs) Ron Eldard played Mickey Bunce. And Carrie Fisher played Janie, and of course she has sadly passed away. Our Princess Leia. Princess Leia. Tim Matheson played Charles Gretterson, Elizabeth's husband, and Daniel Gerald was Nigel Cronin, Elizabeth's father. Keith Charles played Murray, and Bridget Fonda, actually uncredited, played Annabella. Annabella. It's so funny. I think she's uncredited because she really just came on as a favor to Phoebe. I love that they were such good friends. This was obviously after... They did shag together. Right. They've done quite a few things together. Then they both kind of quit the industry together. They did. As we mentioned before. I'm here to tell you today's fun facts. Fun facts. 
<laughs> Amazingly, that was unrehearsed. <laughs> Believe it or not, I don't care. <laughs> so Tim Burton and Robin Williams were offered the role of director and Fred, respectively, and they both turned down the project, which is funny because this definitely has Tim Burton's name written all over it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was great as it was, but I would love to see a Tim Burton version of this. Tim Burton directing Robin Williams would have been something to see. But I mean, like you said, this movie is iconic in its own right. But that movie, what would that movie have been? Winona Ryder was the director's first choice to play Elizabeth, but she didn't want to be typecast in strange comedies. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Tim Burton. Yeah. And Carrie Fisher auditioned for the role of Elizabeth, but she was considered to be too old. So she was offered the role of Janie instead, which I always thought that it was kind of strange because it felt like Carrie was a lot older than Phoebe. Yeah, she just looks and feels quite a bit older than her in it. Right. Because I even remember thinking that when we were watching, like, how are they best friends? And I don't know how far off they were in age at that point, but I'm still glad they cast Carrie because she was obviously amazing in it. Yeah. I mean, maybe they worked together at some point. It's like, I'm sure you had friends at work. That were older and Mm -hmm. younger. Yeah, that's true. It's funny though, because I see her as more of like Phoebe's wacky aunt. Right. (laughs) Or Elizabeth's wacky aunt. Mayall would constantly throw ideas into the script Like in the opening where Elizabeth's mother is reading her the bedtime story and the part where Fred sinks the houseboat. Yeah. So he had a lot of contributions to the movie. That's nice that they let him, you know, add to it like that. Yeah. So this was filmed in Minnesota and the interior sets were actually built at Prince's Paisley Park Studios. And so he would go and visit the sets every night when they had finished for the day. And he would like just enjoy the costumes and the set design and everything. Yeah. Now, upon release, this film was thrashed by the critics. (laughs) Currently, it has an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. I barely got him to watch this movie based on that. Yeah, I almost noped out of it. But it has become a huge cult film. And for an audience score, it's got a 77, which is telling. Back when it was released, Gene Siskel called this film the worst film of 1991. (laughs) I disagree, Gene Siskel. Disagree. When I posted about this recently, like within the last month, I shared the trailer and some pictures on our Instagram, and I was amazed at the response. Huge, right? Yes. Like I had had this on our list of movies that I wanted us to cover on the podcast for a long time, and we just hadn't gotten around to it. But once I saw the response to that, I was like, okay, green light, let's do it. It's so crazy that it was just off my radar. I guess I was a little too old for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it literally at the time was if it stood out to you in the video store. Like, I don't know. I don't think I saw it in the theater. Maybe I would have, but I don't know. I don't remember going to see it in the theater. Yeah, I can't recall seeing like advertisements or anything for it. But I was also 15, 14 or 15, depending. on. Yeah, so you may have thought it was a kid's movie. Yeah. Like I said, I was like 11 or 12. So they tried a few times to make a sequel. At first, it was going to be Rick Mayall again playing Drop Dead Fred, but he declined it initially. And so they were looking for Jim Carrey to play the role. That fell through. He actually went on to go play Ace Ventura. Hmm. And a few years later, they started the process again, but Mayall had decided to do it. But that fell through because his health started to decline. So he had to pull out of that project. 
And they tried once again in 2009 with Russell Brand cast to play Drop Dead Fred. But due to the absolute failure of the Arthur movie, that was scrapped as well. So we've missed out on Drop Dead Fred 2 quite a few times, unfortunately. Yeah, I remember when they were talking about Russell Brand doing it. And I was like, "Eh, I mean, I could kind of see it because he is like a kooky British actor. But I think he'd be good in this role, to be honest with you. He probably would be. If he did it and Tim Burton directed it, I'd be on board. Yes. Really, I'd just be on board with Tim assigned. (laughs) (laughs) So Grandma Bunce, who is Mickey's grandmother, is played by the director's mother. And for the scene where she gets the paint thrown on her, all that yellow paint, yogurt was used. As yogurt. (laughs) (laughs) And weeks later, she said she was still finding yogurt in her ears. Oh, my gosh. That had to smell so bad. And for just a tiny little scene like that. Yeah, it's like two seconds of a clip. I love it. All right. So this is a little convoluted. So stay with me. The scene where Polly tapes up the jack in the box that contains Fred was based off of an actual incident that happened to a friend of the co-writer, executive producer, Carol Davis. Her friend was named Steve Burnett. His mother, Gloria, had an imaginary friend when she was little. Gloria's mother could not stand the fact that she had this imaginary friend. And it finally got to the point where Gloria's mother took her imaginary friend and flushed it down the toilet. (gasps) Oh, no. And this incident traumatized Gloria for years. I can't imagine that scene at that house where it's just like, you see, I see the mother like holding nothing. (sighs) being like, I've got whatever the friend's name. I've got him here. And that's it. I'm flushing him down the toilet. Oh, my God. And Gloria's like, no, no, Bobby. That makes me cry. (laughs) Oh, poor Gloria. Okay, so the mud pie scene. Yes. We're going to talk about that more later. We will. But mud gets sprayed all over Charles's pants at one point. And that mud was controlled by compressed air tubes that were underneath the table. Mm -hmm. So at one point, something goes wrong with the tubes and mud starts spraying all over the crew and all over this prop painting that was worth $100,000 and it was uninsured. Uninsured. Why do you have something that's worth $100K as a prop? Right. Like, what is it doing there? I don't understand that. Nobody's paying attention to that painting. No. You can just have some fake crap right there. Why do you have to have something that is worth that much money? I wonder if it was like the director's friend or, you know, somebody's like, oh, I really want my painting in this scene. <sighs> and then blam, mud on it. Ugh. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so Lizzie's father is English and... Rick Mayall and Drop Dead Fred is English as well. So in the end, Drop Dead Fred is a metaphor for the father that Lizzie wished that she had. Oh. That's a theory. It's a theory. Yes. Huh. Well, yeah, the the dad does leave. He does. But he leaves more because her mother is insane. Awful. She's awful. Yeah. But it sucks that he like didn't remain a part of Elizabeth's life. Yeah. Why not take her with him? I don't know. I guess it was the late 80s, early 90s, and it just didn't happen that way. Yeah. Things were different. They were. Favorite moments. So my number one, (laughs) when Fred looks up Elizabeth's mom's skirt and says, Wow. Cobwebs. I didn't understand it at all as a child, although I remembered it, but it makes me laugh now, obviously. Did it make you laugh back then just for, you know, you just thought it looked funny? Probably. I would say so. I don't really remember. I mean, I remember the moment, you know, but I definitely didn't get it. But it's too funny now because it's like 
Yeah. And just the adult humor there, where obviously something that the children that were watching had no idea. But it's naughty. It's naughty. Well, it just means that nothing's been getting up there. Right. (laughs) And he's looking up her skirt. Yes. Because he does that later again to somebody else. Mm -hmm. He does it to he does it to Bridget Fonda. Annabella. Annabella. So my number one, the lunch scene with Mickey, where Fred is making Elizabeth like spill her water. Do like the weird hand gestures, play peekaboo. <laughs> it's the best. And when he makes her throw that plate of food, of course, you can't see Fred at that point. So it's just really great acting by Phoebe. And then Mickey in the end joins in because it looks like it's so much fun and they get kicked out of the restaurant. <laughs> he's like jealous of how carefree she is. Yeah. He's like, I don't get it, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I also love when she's got the water and he's like making her hand shake. Yeah, it's and like she's shaking. Like spilling water all over the place. It's really good acting by her during that yes. because you really think Fred is making all of this happen. Mm-hmm. My next one is when Janie, who's Carrie Fisher thinks that she's beating Fred up for Elizabeth. Yes, yes. <laughs> She really gets into it. She throws him on the ground. She stomps on him. She strangles him. And Fred obviously is not being beat up. He's standing over with Elizabeth and he's making Elizabeth basically tell Janie that she got him. He's making her nod her head because Janie's like, do I got him? Like, yeah. And he makes her nod her head when she really didn't have him. And like, we all need a friend like Janie that's going to beat up your imaginary friend, even though she probably doesn't think that it's real. Yeah. What a great friend she is to her. Mm-hmm. You never hear her like condescend as far as her having the imaginary friend. She's more mad sometimes about the outcome. Right. Well, she just found out that they sank her houseboat. Right. And that's like her house. Yes. All of her things were on yeah. that boat. And then she gets mad because she can't hook up with Murray anymore. She blows that right up. (laughs) All right. Number two for me, the quote unquote death breath scene with drop dead Fred and Polly, who's the mom. Mm -hmm. What I love about that is thinking about the filming of that scene because Polly can't see Fred. Right. But he's in reality right in front of her face. (laughs) And so he's like yelling and saying stuff right at her and she can't react at all. Yes. So I guarantee you that had to be so funny to act through and film. Uh-huh. I would love to see like the dailies for that. Yes, absolutely. So I love any of the scenes where we get to go back and see Elizabeth and Drop Dead Fred together when she's young, but especially the one where they're going to make the pants pie. Yeah. <laughs> so she tells her dad, Drop Dead Fred's going to teach me how to cook today. And she's telling him all these ingredients that she needs. So she's like, I'm going to need flour and sugar and honey and vodka, and a pair of your pants. We're making pants pie. (laughs) (laughs) And her mom kind of freaks out over it because she's like, vodka, you know? Yeah. And she leaves. And while she's gone, Fred is saying that now he has cornflake disease. And so he opens his jacket and cornflakes are just flying all over the place. And then he's like, pants pie can't save me now. The only thing that can save me is mud pie. So you can guess what happens then. It's just a huge mess. And I just, as I'm watching it, I just think that they had to have the best time filming that. Absolutely. It reminded me of when I used to teach pre-K and they really wanted you to do learning by play. And like you had sensory stuff and like sand tables and rice and noodles and all this. And like as teachers, we hated that because it always made the biggest mess. Right. But they really want you to get in there and use your imagination and feel the textures and all that stuff. 
And that's what it reminded me of as they were doing it. It reminded me of like a really great preschool teacher that didn't care about the mess. And he's playing with this little girl and she's like, oh, should I add this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, of course you should. Yeah, more of that, more. You know, it's just like game for whatever. Yeah. And that's just exactly how a kid wants to play. They don't normally have that kind of freedom. So it feels invigorating to Elizabeth, who is on top of her mother's fancy dining room table, just pouring mud and water and <laughs> vodka and cornflakes, <laughs> everything it's all there. everywhere. Yeah. Breaking stuff and all of that. So I just think it's a really chaotic but fun scene. And I think that they had to have the best time filming that. Absolutely. That's what I think about, too. As I mentioned before, it had to be so much fun to film. For everybody. Yeah. There's one point where she's like, this is so fun. And I wonder if that was unscripted, you know? Yeah. All right. My last one. When Fred sinks Janie's boat, (laughs) you know, as soon as Fred shows up, chaos is going to ensue. And I figured that boat was going to be sunk. (laughs) And he did not let me down. It is absolute utter mayhem when he's down in the hold or whatever it is. He destroys it. And that boat is only going to sink. So poor Janie lost her house, but Fred had a really good time. Yes. So HMs, there's a few of them. This is pretty small. It's a small moment, but it's effective. When Carrie Fisher, Janie, is power walking (laughs) while smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Just like, what what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) It's like it kind of defeats the purpose. And I don't know how you're getting through like the heavy breathing, but good on you. Cheers to 1991. Yeah, at least you're making an attempt, I suppose. (laughs) All right, my HM. When Fred gets his head stuck in the fridge, (laughs) I love when he's trying to pull his head out, and it's awesome what his head comes out looking like. It's this big flat pancake, and he's like, oh my God, my head, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Then he works for a few minutes to try to fix it. He eventually does, but that makeup job is great. Yeah, that also kind of gave me like Pee Wee Herman vibes. Yes, that's a good call. Okay, my next HM I just liked the way that the house in Elizabeth's imagination at the end when she's going to say goodbye to Drop Dead Fred and everything, it looks different than it actually is Mm -hmm. in reality. And it reminded me so much of the way Adam and Barbara's house looked after the Deets took it over and remodeled in Beetlejuice. I hadn't thought about that. Because it's very black and white and red and like dramatic art pieces and things like that. So it just gave me those vibes. It just had that feeling. I wonder if there's any inspiration there. Could be. All right. Number two for me, when Elizabeth is in the kitchen with her mom and Fred and she tells Fred to piss off, (laughs) we find out that is not the magic word. But from her mom's perspective, her daughter is just sitting there eating breakfast and randomly is like, piss off. Gotcha. Those weren't the magic words. What did you say to me? She told you to piss off. What are you, deaf? (laughs) But I love thinking about the mother's perspective there of just like, what is the matter with my daughter? Right. In all fairness, like she's awful, but she actually wants to help her. Yeah, she's doing her best. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think she wants her to be like her. I mean, obviously she takes her to get like a makeover and she comes home dressed exactly like her. At the very least, she does fund Elizabeth's insanity. (laughs) (laughs) So my next one is when they're sitting in the waiting room at the psychiatrist's office and you see all of these other kids with their imaginary friends. Mm -hmm. And it's so fun because all of the imaginary friends see each other and they get so excited. They're like reuniting because they haven't seen each other in a long time. 
And all the kids are watching because they can only see their person. They can't see all of the imaginary friends, only theirs. So they're just like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then it's like a bunch of imaginary friends that are men. And then all of a sudden... Fred's like, that is so namby-pamby. And then this lady comes down the stairs with this larger-than-life personality. And then they're like, namby-pamby. Right. It's it's so incredible. (laughs) It is. And they're all just dancing and playing and... I love it. They're doing like dances where they're like making noises and it's cutting between the kids seeing their imaginary friend, but then you see all of them together, like dancing together. They're having a good time seeing one another. Yeah. And then they all warn Fred because they see Elizabeth come out of the office with the pills. Yes. And they're like, don't let her take the green pills. The green pills. It's going to get rid of them. Yeah. We don't want that. No. All right. Next up for me, all the trouble. That Elizabeth and Fred get into in that scene where the parents think there's a burglar in the house. It is just a path of destruction. And I can only picture this four-year-old child, however old she is, destroying the house as she goes through. I mean, taking teapots, smashing them, throwing dirt on the floor, breaking a window, all of this stuff. It's so fun to think about a child doing that other than the fact of how much it would cost to replace all of it. Yeah. I think it's funny because when you see it when she's a kid, Fred breaks the window and he's like, I love those breaking noises. And when she's older, she breaks something. I I can't remember if it's the window or something else. And she also says, I love those breaking noises. Right. And so you're like, oh, my God, that was her as a kid. Exactly. It's just this little kid destroying everything (laughs) in the house. And then my last HM, uh, the end where Elizabeth's hanging out with Mickey And we learn that his daughter has an imaginary friend named Drop Dead Fred. And now Elizabeth can't see him. But we see that the same kind of shenanigans are going on, running off the nanny or the babysitter. And Elizabeth is like fascinated and she kind of gets down on the little girl's level and she's like, I believe you, you know, even though other people don't. And she's like, next time you see that Drop Dead Fred, you send him my love. It makes me emotional. Yeah. It's just a really sweet moment and a nice way to end it. It was. My last one is a very small moment. But when Fred surprises Elizabeth when she's grown at the mirror and she screams and he's like, did you shit yourself? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so small. But it made me laugh when I saw it for the first time. <laughs> there were so many one liners that he had. I mean, if you blink, you miss them. But yeah. so funny. That's why I think it's a good movie to go back and watch again and again, Mm -hmm. because I don't think you can catch everything that he's doing the first time or the second time or the third time. It's very fast paced when he's involved. Yeah. Okay. 1991. Give me some songs from that year. Or this first one I have to have on my 91 list. Something in the Way by Nirvana. It's not their best song, but it's one that gets stuck in my head, and I love the melody. I don't really know what he's talking about necessarily, but it's just one of my favorite Nirvana songs. Last time we watched that video, that song was stuck in my head all night long. Like every time I woke up in the middle of the night, I was hearing it. It is a sticky song. It is. Okay, my number one. (laughs) This one I was actually going to use in our top five 90s love songs. But I decided to hold out because I knew that I had already written down this song for this episode. It is I Adore Me Amore by Color Me Bad. Dream on, dream away. 
CD. I still have it. Had a lot of great songs on it, but this was my favorite. Closely followed by I Want to Sex You Up and All for Love. But I will always think of the episode of Beverly Hills 90210 where they go to find Color Me Bad at the Bellage Hotel and they're running all around looking for them. And Donna catches her mom there cheating on her dad and she's all upset. And then later Kelly surprises Donna to cheer her up. She brings (laughs) Color Me Bad to the peach pit where they sing for their supper, basically. And they sit there and sing this song for Donna. My sister had this CD as well. And I can just remember feeling so grown up (laughs) because I was listening to this CD. There was an NWA CD. All of this like new music was altering my mind. And this is one of those songs that stuck out. (laughs) And I also just think of their colorful suits. Yes. By the way, Brian Abrams, I shared one of Color Me Bad's performances. I think it was when they were on In Living Color. Yeah. I think they were singing I Want to Sex You Up. But I had posted it on our Instagram a while back. And he commented on it and was like liking everybody's comments and all of that. And it was just just a cool moment. Just one of those, those little fun moments that having this podcast and our social media, it just makes it fun and exciting. Yeah. All right. Number two for me by EMF. Unbelievable. You're unbelievable. Oh, what a great song. I could still jam out to this one. I love it. This definitely reminds me of MTV. Watching this video on MTV, like late at night, it's dark, but the TV's on. <laughs> yeah, and because I mean, it was a simple video, right? Yeah. I feel like they just had like their EMF shirt on or something as like a white T-shirt with EMF on the front. Right, but it was more about the fact that I had never really heard a song like this. Yeah, so aggressive and fun and catchy. I can still bang my head to it. <laughs> Although I think the I hurt things. my neck when I do that. So. <laughs> this also makes me think of Coyote Ugly. Oh, is this in that movie? Yeah. Okay. My number two, Rush Rush by Paula Abdul. So I loved this whole album, Spellbound, but this song is one of the earliest dramatic songs that I would sing along to and really feel it. And I think it helped that Keanu Reeves was in the video. Was he? Yeah. They're recreating scenes from Rebel Without a Cause with James Dean and Natalie Wood. Okay. And yeah, it's great. I just rewatched it the other day to refresh my memory. It's so good. And they keep like teasing a kiss and they finally kiss in the end. Do they? I thought he was so hot during this time. This is right after Bill and Ted's, right? A couple of years? He's got to be, yeah, 91. And he yeah. had, he still had like longer hair. was before he chopped it off for Point Break. Old Keanu. Just then he was hot there too and speed. Man. I enjoyed this one as well. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, there's quite a few Paula Abdul songs that I really like, and this is on that list. She had some hits. She did. We should do our top five Paula Abdul songs and top five Keanu Reeves movies. I am on board for both of those. Add them to the list. Kaboom. <laughs> Well, next time you want to go traipsing through your parents' house and absolutely, utterly destroy it, if you need some tips on how to make that happen, watch the movie that we just covered, because it's going to tell you how to cause some chaos. 
And also watch the movie for tips on how to get rid of drop dead thread. Yes. When you're done. Mm-hmm. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can join our Facebook group, which has changed names. It is now called The Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. We're slowly growing over there. We have some great mods, Joanna and Stephanie, that are helping us out, starting conversations. So come over there. It's a good time. It is. We're on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at We Don't Want to Grow Up at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the podcast and all of our other endeavors, you can become a member of our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. There you can gain access to bonus episodes and soon to be extra content. Another way you can support us is by giving us a five-star rating if you listen on Apple Podcasts and leaving us a nice review. You may listen on other platforms and maybe there's another way that you could rate us or review us there. So if there is, please do so. Those numbers do matter. So if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. Also, you could help spread the word by sharing about it with your friends and family and on your social media platforms with your followers. Goodbye. Bye.